iPads are just rubbish to have the Bible on because like, we, we were just scrabbling to find the text that I'd actually chosen to read from then. And um, it just, they're in the wrong place. And, you, know, you know, when you read an iPad, it's on the left-hand side, first column, halfway down. It just doesn't work. But um, first thing is, like, the, the fact that you're going to listen to me, I'm, in, I'm really impressed already. You should put up with me on a Sunday night and listen to some of my words. I wish I had like about three weeks with you, uh, but I think people would last about three hours and then go because we get so bored. But I, <laughs> but I, what I, why I'm what I want to share with you tonight is something that flows out of what we've been doing for the last two years and maybe for the last eight years, and that is uh, just. As Paul had some intense experiences here with Jesus, um, we've had some intense experiences with Jesus over the last few years. And it's, it's changed us and it's moulded the direction of what we've done in a way that I've not known before in, in, um, in all the 30 odd years of doing ministry. And, and I want to share some of the stories from that, but I'm just distracted as I stand here because when you were playing the piano, I just felt like God wanted to say to you that it's for you as well, that you're special enough for God to want to draw near to you and be so close to you. He loves you, thinks you're extraordinary and he's not distant to you. Is involved in your life. That's better. I feel better. Put this on if you don't mind. Ah. And you can wander about a bit, can't you? Thanks, Matt. That's better. I've um. There we go. I've become the world's worst preacher. I used to be really good. I used to have like sermons that had three points. They were illiterate, Ill- Ill- illiterated, whatever that word. You know the same. Letter. They had, um, but I've, I've just become rubbish at that. So you'll have to excuse me. Um, something happened uh, that messed my ministry up some four or five years ago, where God said, "I will take you wherever I want to take you. Stop trying to open doors." And it was at a time I was seeking him for, for about three days. And I want to talk more about seeking him, because Paul talks about that, isn't he? Ananias says to Paul, call on the name of the Lord. He's just had an encounter with Jesus, pretty extraordinary. And he's told, call on the name of the Lord. Uh, and then there's, obviously he's doing that, and he's in the temple, and he meets Jesus, and Jesus tells him what to do. Well, he said, I'm going to open up opportunities for you. Now, I was in YWAM, and kind of still half-connected. It's really hard to leave YWAM. Because once a while, I mean, you're still stuck. And um, it's, it's like you, you get invited because of who you know. And it's like a chain of who you know. And because they, they like what you bring. And it's, and it's like God opens the door through relationship. Well, he told me, I said, I'm not going to do that with you anymore. I'm just going to open up doors with people you don't know. And they're going to contact you. And he said to me, do you believe I can do that? And I said no. Because... <laughs> um, 
I was, you know, you're all alone, I'm seeking God, and there's no reason to pretend. And I looked in my heart, I thought, no, I don't, how do you do that? I don't see how that's going to work. And he said, and I wrote it down in my journalist, what I heard was, not audible, just in my heart, very strong, you're going to get invited to Madagascar in three days' time. And I thought, that's crazy, because I don't know anyone in Madagascar. And of course, Wyoms everywhere, but, you know, I don't know anyone in Wyoms, know anyone that I know. Three days later, I got an email from Wyoming in Antananarivo, Madagascar, saying, will you come and speak? That was surprising. <laughs> um, so I thought, well, I, you know, that's, a, that's about like 80% convincing. I mean, it sounds... I mean, at the time, it was incredible. But you know what? But you're, you're probably better than me. Like, I, I, you know, after a day or two, I'm thinking, yeah, but... Because, you know, my... And I also wanted to know how they knew. And the weird thing is, I said... Because I said, well, how did you know to invite me? You don't know me. No, we don't know you. Do you know anyone who knows me? No, not really. Well, how have you invited me? Well, about seven years ago, you spoke in Austria at a gathering. Now, that's a story. I didn't want to go and speak at that gathering. It was a Wyoming gathering. And I, uh, I didn't want to go to that particular gathering because I thought I'd be bored. And, and it just wouldn't lead me that I should go. So I actually rudely invited myself to speak. I just said, I'll come if I can have a slot for a seminar. Isn't that rude? And uh, they said yes. And the, sem- the seminar I did, ex- amazingly, was packed out. Everyone came to my seminar one hour long. Well, apparently there were some people there who then heard me and heard what we were doing. And they told some other people. And a chain of events had led to eventually these people in Madagascar knowing about me and then thinking, oh, oh maybe we should invite him now on this DTS. So I thought, that's interesting, that whole process. Can you do it again? He said to me that um, I'll invite you to, to France. That's going to be part of your journey. You're going to speak in France in the next few years. I don't know anyone in France. Of course, I know Wyoming, so I could ring up any Wyoming base and say, hey, any chance of me speaking on a DTS? It's not the done thing, but you could do it. But I thought, no, no this isn't, you know, it's 80% likely that God can do this because he did it with Madagascar. Let's see if he can do it with, with France. So I, I get on a plane, uh, as I do. I fly a lot to Germany currently, and I'm on the way to Germany via Amsterdam. I always have to go via Amsterdam because of Bristol Airport. And as, I, as I'm on my first flight to Amsterdam, is that right? Have I got this right? I, yeah, I, get on, I, I sit next to a guy, and another guy comes down in the corridor and says to the guy next to me, you're sitting in my seat. He says, no, I'm not. They, sh- they show each other their boarding passes. This guy standing is getting a bit, little bit awkward for the guy standing up. So I, I look around. I can see the, the one space that's left on the plane that must be somehow one of these guys' seats. So I said, hey, there's a seat up there. And if, if, if that's taken, I'm sure the captain will let you sit next to him. <laughs> and he's, he, he went off and he, and he sat down and he seemed okay. So that's good. So I s- started talking to the guy next to me who was French spoke very good English and German and um, he, he, I, he said that's funny and he went oh no I am sitting in the wrong seat I've showed him the boarding, my boarding pass for the next flight and I said oh well he's happy now he's sitting there and I, so we had a conversation I said well what do you do and he said I'm a Christian speaker so I thought I'd let him, I'd let him sweat so I said because uh, I get that enough time so I said oh what's one of them then so, uh, for 10 minutes, for 10 minutes, 
he told me what a Christian speaker was, and I'm making all the right noises, like, ooh, ah. And then he says, so what do you do? I said, I'm a Christian speaker. <laughs> so he punched me. And then we... But he said, I want you to speak at my conference. I said, no, you don't. He said, no, I do. I really do. He said, no, you don't. You, uh, you don't know me. That's not a good... I wouldn't invite a stranger. He says, no, but we've just talked and we'd actually just prayed for each other. And he, he said, I, I want to invite you. He said, no, listen to one of my podcasts. If you still want to invite me, then, then okay, you can invite me and we've shared emails. Uh, long story short, a year later, I'm speaking at his conference. And, I, and I'm thinking, well, you, you got me into France, God, by an accident on an aeroplane. So it is possible. It's possible. And, and, and then he tell what I found is if now I trust him enough, because I'm about at about 95% that he can do that, um, it happens. So he told me you're going to speak in Switzerland twice, twice last year. I said, well, I don't know anyone in Switzerland. That'll be really interesting. How are you going to do that? So um, I, I think it was by about July, and I've still not got an invite, and people normally invite six months in advance. And uh, I've not got an invite, but I'm, I'm, out, I'm out for coffee with a German pastor I know very well, and he's got a Swiss pastor friend with him. And while we're sitting there at the table, and they're talking German, because the Swiss speak a kind of German, it is a kind of German. It's not German. It's weird. But um, they're, they're trying to talk away. And, and I'm bored because my German isn't good enough. And I'm sitting there. Do you ever have this happen? I'm a terrible evangelist. I, I really am confused about evangelism a lot of the time. And uh, suddenly this thought comes into my head. Speak to the, speak to the waitress and, and give her a word of knowledge. And I thought, well, that's, oh, I hate that. Do you hate that? I just... I'm, I don't want to do... I'm, you know, doing this for 30 years. It's still a little bit scary speaking to a complete stranger and saying something. So I said, Lord, what do you want to say? He says, Tana, she's got a beautiful voice. Well, that's really great, isn't it? Because it's really general. I mean, you probably could say that to 50% of the people and they'd like it. And maybe, you know, it's probably true for quite a high percentage. But anyway, it's just really vague. So she comes over to give us, I don't know, she's taken our... I think she's delivering our meals, yeah. And I say, can, I say to my German pastor friend, Martin, I say, can you translate for me? He says, sure. So I said, just had a thought for you. I'm a pastor from England, because people understand that. I'm a pastor. She says, oh, yeah. Says, uh, the Lord says, you know, I feel God wants to communicate to you that you've got a beautiful voice. And uh, she broke down in tears. So I thought, hey, yeah, something's going on here. I'm a bit thick sometimes, but she's literally weeping and sitting down at the table, which isn't probably popular with the management, but she's just sat and, and she's weeping. And I think, this is it, I've got it. Even the, even the blind squirrel gets the nut sometimes. So I say, Lord, what, what, what else might you want to say? Because that's a bit general. And I get these thoughts. Um, if you surrender your gift to him, you'll get a second chance. So that's a bit more specific. So I, I, I well, here we go. Those seems to be working. So I say that they translate that. Now she's really going crazy, and she's going, "How do, how do you know me? How, who are you? You must know me." You, and, and I don't. And, and I say, "Look, can you ask her what's going on? Because I don't understand why this is so touching." And, she, and they translate. They're talking to her for ages, and then they translate to me. And they say, "Well, she was on the German version of the Voice." 
she got to the final. She came second. She was extremely disappointed. And she wants to know if what you're saying is really true and what sort of second chance does God want to give her. So we spent quite a lot of time talking to her and praying for her and telling her about Jesus. And, uh, and we apologised to the management and gave the management a tip for taking her out of, bus- out of the business for a while. And, and then the, the Swiss pastor turned to me and said, can you speak in my church in three months' time? And I said, that, why? Because I just gave a word of knowledge. It doesn't always work that well like that. And he goes, well, kind of, but more than that, it just feels right. And yeah, we have a slot and we've been waiting for someone to fill it. We have two people speak in our retreat week. Would you, would you speak? We've got one spot, Phil, would you speak? So I said, yes. Then within two weeks, I was invited on up to another place in Switzerland. It's amazing. It's extraordinary what God can arrange if we let him. The problem is letting him, isn't it? Because we think we can do it or we have to do it. And you can't just suddenly stop what you're doing because that's not necessarily faith, is it? If you, all right, God's done it for Paul, I'll just stop. It doesn't work like that, does it? Because underground, deep down in yourself, you're still trying to solve it and fix it, really. You just, for whatever reason, maybe a religious reason, you've stopped. But God works on our heart and deals with our strongholds and stuff so that we can slowly trust him from the heart, not just our, our choice. So over the last couple of years, that's been quite a whirlwind. And I've developed friendships with pastors in Germany, in Switzerland, ministry leaders in Austria, and ministry leaders in France now. And our passion, my passion, is I think what we really need in the West, I think what we really need is people who know who know how to call on the name of the Lord. Because there's lots of people who are busy. And there's lots of people that, you know, and, and we say we know how to pray, whatever, whatever we think prayer is. But do you know how to seek God and call on the name of the Lord? And over the last five or six years, we've been equipping people, maybe before that. Maybe we were trying to do that when we had Charles. <laughs> trying to equip people to, to seek God. Especially this night, there's a generation coming up, like 35 and under. They really want to know real stuff. So when you say God's looking for those who want to worship him in spirit and truth, they really get that, because they want reality, because truth means reality in, in the Greek. The Greek word that's translated truth means reality. It's not a philosophical truth. It's like, if you seek him with your spirit and in reality then you'll, you know, you'll really meet him. That's what he wants. That's a sort of worship as someone who, who moves towards him, who goes towards him. He's looking for those who are going towards him in spirit and in reality. So we've been finding ways to equip people like that. Because they're going, I've heard, I've heard things about how to pray and how to read the Bible and how to pray for people, but where are these encounters with God that Paul seems to have? So he goes to the temple... And Jesus meets him and tells him, tells him some extraordinary things like, stop preaching here, Paul, it's not working. Now, if he hadn't heard that, he'd have carried on, wouldn't he? No, no, I, I, 
we're speculating, anyway, what he would. He probably would have carried on, probably would have been killed because he was so gung ho. Because they stop it, they're not listening to you. I'm going to send you far away to a bunch of people who are hungry and they don't know what they need yet, but you're going to tell them, the Gentiles. And he goes, okay, so. And he escapes, doesn't he? And I think that's to let him down the, down the wall in a basket. Escape. Um, people don't know how to do it. So you say, okay, well, we're going to seek God for three hours. What do you do? First of all, where do you find three hours? And how do you not get bored after 15 minutes? And we've been teaching people to do this. And here's a, here's a testimony from this, from a, just last week. So you know it's not just old stories from 15 years ago. I went back to this place in Switzerland that I'd been to before last week. And the Swiss are really shy. If you think the British are reserved, you should meet the Swiss. I mean, I spent half an hour with a Swiss church leader and a Canadian sitting next to him had to tell me that he was asking me to speak in their church after half an hour. I said, he's actually inviting you, Paul. Is he? Sounded really polite. Yeah, yeah, but he's actually... So they don't share... So this woman came up to me. She's the wife of, of the guy leading the course. And she says, I just want to say, what you did, listen, it so helped me. Let me tell you a, a story. We, um, my husband is Canadian. The Swiss authorities wrote to us and they said, uh, the tax authorities and said, we can't believe you can live like you do on the money that you do. We want 50,000 Swiss francs as a fine. Pay it by this time. So obviously they don't have the money. They're why one they don't have the money. So she goes into a panic. They write letters. They write emails. They say, uh, we can't do that. They write back saying, no, we want it. And it's stressful. And the stress is so much. And here's the key. What do you do when you're in a stressful situation, when you've had a, a knock or something? She started to seek God, call on the name of the Lord. And she started to do some of the things that we were suggesting. And, 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 and when you do it, you learn how to do it. You learn things that are hard to explain. So she's doing it. And she meets this woman in her heart as she's praying. And she, she, she develops this kind of strange love for her, like a care for her, like there must be something going on in her life. Three months of toing and froing with emails, with the pressure going up and up and up, they eventually say, can we meet face to face? And she says, yes. They make an appointment, they go, and when she, they meet them face to face, this woman is completely different. And she says to them, you need to say it like this, because then it will be understood. And I can see what you're trying to say here. We need to change this so, so it gets understood. You don't need to pay anything. And she sent them out almost as if she cared for them. And this woman was telling me at the end of the meeting, she's saying, and she's got tears in her eyes, and she's going, it's extraordinary. It's like I, I, I was involved in something, and her heart was moved and changed. It's like it's become more real to me. I think that's exciting. Um, I was on a, I was on, a lot of my life is on a plane. But I was on a plane and I ended up sitting next to this woman who had fantastic makeup on. And, um, excuse me if you've heard this story. And I, I turned around to, what do, you, what do you say when someone, a young woman is sitting next to you 
and you feel like you should talk to it because you feel like the Holy Spirit saying talk because normally I just put my headphones on and go to sleep talk to her so, and, and she's young, attractive, makeup on um, so I said you're really good at makeup aren't you <laughs> and she said yes, thank you thank you, yeah, yeah, no, you're really good oh, thank you, that's, a, that's good, that's good because I do it professionally I said, really? I said, yeah, I've just been doing Tom Hanks really? yeah, for a movie, been doing Tom Hanks wow, I can, wow, he must be looking good because you look good and, um, and we started a conversation she's, she's going and she, I said, do you like what you, what you do? And I said, she said, yeah, but it's, it's a bit can be a bit shallow I really love, would love depth now, the weird thing is I'm on a plane that's full of people in suits. The only two people in jeans and tatties are her and me. And um, she, she, she says, I'm really looking for spirituality. What do you do? <laughs> and I hate that question, but I've learned some good answers. So I, I think I said, oh, I work for a global organization. <laughs> and um, I said, she said, what do you do? Oh, well, we... we we kind of help it. We, we're involved in relief and development and teaching and education and explaining the reality of God and we've seen miracle after miracle. She said, what sort of miracle? I said, well, angelic rescue. She said, really? Angels? Yeah. Tell me a story. So I tell her a story of angelic rescue. She's going, wow! And that was God. Yeah, yeah, he's doing that all the time. We don't hear about it on BBC, but he's doing it all the time. She says, that's, she says, that's what I want. And as we've just come to land now uh, at the airport and we're getting, everyone's clicking their seatbelts and getting up, she says to me, I think you're a priest, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. That's, that's perceptive of you. She says, will you bless me? I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. Should we stand? We have to stand anyway. <laughs> we stood up. Now all the other people around, they're all really listening, like, <laughs> these, these businessmen are thinking, what is this conversation? because we've been talking about some weird stuff. And um, I put my hand on her. I said, do you mind if I put my hand on your head? And it works better if I do that, I said. <laughs> and she said, yeah, that's fine. So I put my hand on her head and bless her. And she falls over. She's not a Christian. She hasn't learned how to fall over. And she falls over into her seat. Back, and she's like twitching. And like big smile on her face. And I say, that's God. And she said, wow, it's amazing. Yeah, I think that's his love. He's, he's out for you. He loves you. He's come to get you. And um, the businessmen are now filing off. Some of them want to stay and some of them want to get out as quick as possible. <laughs> so funny. And, she, and we've got to get off because they're going, oh, you know, we're back. And, it's like, and, and she, goes, she goes, what do I do now? And I think, gosh, what do, you, what do you say to someone when you've got a few seconds? She's had an encounter with God, which is enough. Oh, I pray the religious people don't get hold of her. And I said, uh, I said, Lord, what do you, what do you, what do you say? And, I, and the, the words came into my mouth, so I just said them. Google Yeshua. Y-E-S-H-U-A. The Hebrew name for Jesus. I think if you do that, you'll find some good stuff about the one you've just met. And she, she hugged me. She grabbed me. And she hugged me. And you could feel her genuine love and appreciation for what had just happened. It's like God arranges stuff if you call on his name, seek his face. I find Christianity 
gets so much easier if I'm calling on his name. It really doesn't work otherwise. It's hard work. But when you... And I don't mean like, you know, here's the thing, here's the guilt trip, here's the religion guilt that kicks in when people talk about praying. Oh, I don't have time. I tried to pray for 20 minutes and I fell asleep. You know, and, and all this, this, we have this like, we have this like religious guilt shame thing that kicks up as if that was it, as if it was all about doing an allotted time and ticking a box and that's it and I'm okay as a Christian. No, it's like, what I, what I explain to to these 35 and unders, and I'm not saying that older people don't do it as well. In fact, the older people, in fact, the church leaders want it just as much. Tell me how to see. How did they see God? And I would say, it's not a religion. It's not a method. It's a heavenly science. It's a heavenly science. That is, if I do A, B happens. But it's not like a slot machine. But if I, if I do the ways of God, if I, if I line my life up with him, then he comes to me. Isn't it St. James? If you draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. And I found, as I've gone around teaching and studied the scriptures in a way to teach that, You find Paul says the same thing again and again and again in different ways. But basically saying the same thing to to the disciples who are often young believers, often incredibly supernatural, but are really babies. He's teaching them the same things. And Jesus said this. He said, when you pray, get alone. Pray in secret. He contrasts with the, with the Pharisees, the hypocrites, who stand on the corners and pray for everyone to see them. Pray alone. And it's not just to avoid everyone seeing you. There's something about if you seek God in a way that you're not really interested in telling anyone else about, it's powerful. You're just seeking God just because it's fun. That's good. And it's secret. This is not to be able to tell everyone, I had a two-hour quiet time. This is just because I want to secretly meet him. And it says that. You will, God, Father, who is in secret. And then, if you meet him there, he rewards you openly. Like, there's fruit from having met him secretly. So the there's going to be loads of encounters with him that I've had that I won't tell you about. And there's plenty of encounters waiting for you to have with him that you won't tell us about. Maybe slowly, over time, bit at a bit. Because you wouldn't want to tell everyone about it because you don't want to make it look like you're amazing. Because that would, that would make it Uh, you'll kill it it's precious so I'm telling them like they're going like I I go to pray then and then I'll get distracted and you know what that's really good news whatever distracts you is an idol 
So if you found one of the idols in your life, you can work on it. Well, the trouble is, we're being all Christian and religious, and we get a distraction and we're going, no, go away, go away. And we're trying to switch it up. Actually, you've just found a key to your heart. So if you're there and you're thinking about your Sainsbury's shopping list, it's telling you what's going on in your heart. And Paul's antidote to this was, he said, cast your anxieties on him. Bring your anxieties to God. And the peace of God will guard your heart. So here's like one of the first steps you do. When I get alone, I don't know you, but I don't sit down because that means I fall asleep. I find walking's really cool. In fact, I've even got theology on that. But that was a bit of a joke, really. But, but you know, Jesus said, if Jesus said disciple. Disciple, in, in John, the word for disciple is, is a Greek word, acolyte, and, it, and, and it's kind of connected to walking alongside someone. Like the Hebrews would think the greatest height of intimacy would be to go on a path walking next, next to your buddy. That's really close. And that's the call to be with Jesus. Walk along, and it's walking. But the point is that you experience things that he experiences. And he experiences things that you experience. But it's a, so I'm walking around, and the distractions that come, they're telling me what's going on in my heart, and I can pray and go, God, I want to let go of that. And it keeps coming back. Do you ever get that? Yeah, I want to let go of that. It keeps coming back. Yeah, I want to let go of that, Lord. I want to let go of that. And you're moving towards peace. And I've, I've found, for like Westerners, when we're tr- teaching people this, Germans, but we're just as bad, English, British, it can take like, if you've never done this before, got through all your anxieties to peace, it can take three, four weeks. Because we're so used to living with anxiety. Five, six months. Till there's something goes on where you just go, you know, I reckon that's the best definition of repentance that I've ever got from the Holy Spirit. What is repentance? I think repentance is this. It's, this is me trusting myself and this is me giving in and letting God go. I can't do it. God, you do it. Till that happens inside your physiology. Isaiah 40, 31, the last time I was in this room that was being used. It says, those who wait hope, sit on the edge of a cliff, waiting for God to come. Waiting, waiting. Those who wait, learn to undo and get, they will, they, they hit the peace. Those who wait on the Lord will renew, and they renew their strength, they change their strength, and they go up into God's presence. So that, when we teach people to do this, we forbid them from praying for other people other than to undo your anxiety. Because otherwise we get so into a religious mind, I've got to pray for someone, I've got to pray. Now this is between you and God. That will come in a bit. That will come in a bit. Let your anxieties out. Let your, your stuff unwind. You'll be amazed how much stuff we've got. You know, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. And the, the Greek word is pressure, con, uh, contractions. Like, <clears throat> Does he feel like that sometimes when you... You know, when you've got like thoughts going around your head, it's like, and there's weight on your shoulders. And then you go to pray and all you can think of is what you've got to do. What you've got to do. Well, this is like, 
letting go of that till it starts to lift till this, till this lightness eventually comes and I can assure you and promise you eventually it comes it's a heavenly science if you let go of anxieties then the peace comes it's extraordinary and it's a non-self-conscious peace what that means is it's you're stopping looking at yourself and you're starting to trust in Jesus in you and around you rather than thinking how hard you have it and all the things you have to do so you undo it and you get to this place of shalom then then when you get to shalom shall I keep going? let's check it depends on how numb your bum is getting then there's another extraordinary heavenly science thing This, this works it works it's something now, as soon as I say this word we're going to have a religious understanding on it that just kicks in and I found I, I, it was in me I've got to undo it it's called thankfulness and the trouble is that I, I automatically think, think of making a checklist of all the things I should be grateful for thank you I've got two feet thank you I'm alive thank you I'm breathing those are good things but this is different. This is something that Paul talks about all the time in all his letters. Because if you're thankful, you're rightly aligned to God. Because it says, he's giving me everything, I'm receiving it all. I'm doing nothing, he's doing everything. I'm surrendering, he provides. So it's not so much a list, though it might, of course it will result in that. It's me saying specifics, but it's a state of, wow, everything I have comes from him. I have nothing apart from him. Nothing. Now, that, that's such a relief and good news. Because now, that frees me, because if I think I've got stuff, that blinds me to the bigness of God all around me. This starts to undo that, and I'm like, wow, he's here. What does he want to do? What is he doing in me? He's giving me the oxygen. He's giving me the breath. You can list off specifics, but it's more of a state. You get, you start to move towards a state of realizing he's providing for you. This second, everything's coming towards me. Well, when you're in that state, and here's, here's, here's another key, I think. And I, I will shut up soon. How much longer do you want me to go on for? Two minutes. <laughs> you, it works if you do it regularly in the same place it's really weird Jesus said go into your house shut the door and in the secret place pray and I, I have a place in my prayer room so office where I pray, I pray. and it, I prayed there so much and had so many encounters it's like it's fizzy like, you're walking, it's like you're walking, it's like, whoa, God's here. Now, of course, he's in the kitchen as well, but he's more here. Or maybe I'm more in touch with him here, whatever it is. I don't know the theology, I'm not clever enough. All I know is you go there, and it's like there's a remembrance thing goes on. And I've got a whiteboard with all the things he's said to me, and that triggers stuff. You might have a journal, but it's reminding you. 
And I think even widely enough, even the molecules of paint on the walls start to change. Because all of creation apparently is singing and going and waiting for the sons of God and calling out to God. So if you sing to that paint, if you tell it about God, it goes, yeah. You're looking at me weird. So if you do that in the same place, there's something goes on, and we know that, because in our last house, that same thing went on, and we prayed and prayed, and we used to take the next door neighbour into our house, because he'd come round often, into, his, into our house. As soon as he walked into the house, 80% of the time he burst into tears and pour his heart out. We kept trying to lead him to Jesus. We'd get him right to the edge and he'd run away. But every time he came in there, he'd weep. And he'd pour his heart out. It's the presence. Now then, that means, now, if I'd done this for month after month, I'd come back to that place. It's fizzing. I'm drawn in. And I'm, I've not come to pray. I've come to be with him. And now you can do something absolutely supernatural. And it's another word that we often miss. You can do something called praise. Woo! <laughs> it's extraordinary. Praise is not to impress God. Praise is not to make God feel better. It's not like we don't praise God, you're good because you didn't know. You're big and you're just so, or to impress him with how humble we are. You're so big and I'm, I realise it's all coming. That's not, that's not the point. I don't think that's the point of praise. Not what I see in the Psalms. Not what I see Paul teaches. Praise is you being a priest, telling the atmosphere and everyone around you what God is like and releasing it into the atmosphere. So now, once I've got peace, and I'm in a thankful heart, stand in your way when you want to do stuff, and yet you're so wise, you will hold your power in, in a way that loves and doesn't crush people. Wow! When I, I'm saying that, I'm releasing it into the paint, into the room, and it, it, it causes things to get pregnant in the atmosphere. You keep doing that, and things like Paul, and there's more, but the, if you keep doing that, the things like Paul experienced of Jesus showing up can happen. The funny thing is, if we, we miss bits. It says he went into a trance. That's a weird word. We don't like that word. It reminds us of drugs. But perhaps the reason why people like drugs is because they're after something that we're meant to have with God. When it says, he, it says that Peter went into a trance and the sheet was rolled down, it's, an, it's a state that is highly attuned to the presence of God more so than the earth. You flip into a state of so aware of the heavens, the earth is becoming significant to you. And you're tuned in and can hear and experience what is going on in the heavens. The heavens come to you. So in that state, Jesus speaks to him. Jesus, more than that, he's, he encounters Jesus. Now, the last time I was here, I talked about hunger. And hunger is a really simple thing, I'm convinced. 
if you want to be hungry, you just stop eating, don't you? Is that right? If you don't eat for a while, you get hungry. So, I think think it's quite simple for us, really. If we stop filling up on the sugary things before our meal, we're hungry. If we stop giving our heart and life and time to certain things, you just slowly start to reduce that and give more time to just calling on his name. This hunger grows. And then you have an experience, and another experience, and another encounter. And then the scriptures come alive to you. And and it builds. And the more you feed it, the worse it gets. So if you don't watch it, you become obsessed with Jesus. Which is really dangerous. Because... You might find you get invited to Madagascar. (laughs) (laughs) Or or whatever he's got for you. But I'm convinced. Now after being... and I, I have so many friends, pastors and otherwise young people in Germany now who are incredibly hungry for God now. There's something happening in hunger. I think it's for us as well. And you, it's for you. I think the time for superheroes has gone. Obviously, I love the Marvel movies. I, love, uh, I still haven't seen um, the latest one. I need to see it. But um, I think the time for superheroes in the Christian world is gone. Because the danger is we think they're the ones who are going to do it. And, that, and, that's, and it's still all about doing, but that dis- then that disqualifies us from encounter. You are meant to have encounters with God, that you are not allowed to tell me about because they're so secret and beautiful. Wow. And I know many of us in the room have had those sort of encounters and they're meant to get higher and increase, get worse, get stronger. And it's here. And I think it's in Creech. I think it's bubbling away here. And I think there's meant to be such hungry people that you come and you say, and you you can't tell everything, but you go say, oh, Jesus, it's just amazing. He did tell me this last night. I can tell you this bit. And you get your own private seminar with the Holy Spirit in your bedroom or wherever it is that you see God. It's for you. I am, I think something can accelerate it. And that is, if you're crazy enough and you are humble enough, and I'm not saying you're not humble if you don't do this, but if there's something about, if you go, yeah, I want that, and let someone pray for you and touch you and bless you, like that woman said on the plane, you're a priest who can bless me. It's not that I've got it all, but there's times to give and there's times to receive, isn't there? And when you receive, it can ignite something. Maybe even tonight, you you go home and you think, instead of just going straight to bed, I'm just going to pray for a bit. I'm just going to go around and get rid of all my anxieties and see how I do. So if you want that, then we're going to sing a song. And then um, Matt and me, and I don't know who else, we'll, we'll...
pray for anyone or just touch you, just bless you. Say, oh, let the Holy Spirit come on you. So a new rhythm of seeking Jesus might go on. Shall we do that?